0: testing one two three testing oh there we go there we go good morning everyone so weird to look out here over the cars and not be able to see the faces but I know you're there woohoo <laughs> it's a little bit mixed feelings for me to be up here today seeing as it's our my last time to preach for probably quite a long time and um and to say goodbye, that's really hard. So I think I won't, how's that? I won't say goodbye, I'll just say see you later and uh, see you next time. <coughs> Off to a new adventure and a new assignment. But I do wanna thank my family here at home, I have to say that. Uh, I've got a lot of really great friends here, a lot of great sisters and brothers and, and um, Esteban has been very, whoops, Estevan has been very good to me, and I've been blessed to live here, and I've been blessed to work here in this community throughout all southern Saskatchewan. I've met a whole whack load of people in my counseling practice, some wonderful, amazing people that I've been really privileged to work with. So I thank you for those who are listening online and those that are here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and we will see you again. Amen. Amen. So I want to just jump into the sermon today, and I want to start by sharing a story with you. <clears throat> uh, just use your imagination a little bit as I go into this story. I want you to imagine uh, one morning a man is having a shower, and as he gets off, out of the shower and he begins to dry himself, he notices a lump on his side. It's just a small one, not very big. And of course, his very first thought is the big C word, and yet he goes, oh, no, 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 we won't go there. We won't think about that. It's fine. It's just, it's just nothing. It's, it's little. So he ignores it, and he goes on his way with his life and, you know, doesn't really notice it again for a while Till again he's showering, and again he finds that little lump, and he goes, oh, dear. Oh, what could this be? Is it bigger? I think it might be bigger. Oh, never mind, I don't want to think about that. People get lumps and cysts and things all the time. I'm not going to pay any attention to that. So he goes on his way. A few weeks go by, a few months go by. He notices it again. It definitely is bigger. He doesn't want to say anything to anyone. He doesn't want to tell anyone. He just wants it to go away until one day he's not feeling well. He gets nauseous, he's weak, he's tired, and he has to go to the doctor at which time he finally admits and confesses i have had this lump for almost a year and maybe there's a problem sure enough as the doctor does his work and investigates a biopsy has to be done the tests come back it is malignant he has to have surgery has to go through chemo radiation all those horrible things until enough time has gone by and the treatment is complete a very long ordeal But he finally gets the word, you are cancer-free. What a beautiful day. Now, I'm not here to talk about cancer. That's not the happiest topic, is it? But I am here to talk about something that is quite a bit like cancer. But it's a word we don't like to use any more than the big C word. It's the big S word. It's sin. I want to just talk to you for a little bit. Our sermon topic this morning is why sin matters. And as we look at it, it is a lot like cancer because many times our attitude towards sin is to be very dismissive, to ignore it, to trivialize it, to not even talk about it anymore. In fact, we have often changed our vocabulary. We don't have a sin problem, we have issues. We have failures, we have struggles, we have problems. But sin, ah, nah, maybe let's not go there. And yet what's interesting about that is the Bible very clearly speaks about sin from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, sin is talked about. In fact, 561 times the word sin or sins is used in the King James Version. And what's interesting is 171 times it's talked about in the New Testament. The two books that talk the most about sin in the New Testament is the Gospel of John Jesus talks about sin, and the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are very interesting because they were written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. There is no disciple that talks more about love than John, and yet here he is also talking about sin. It's hard for us to put those two concepts together that sin and love could be in the same conversation. But you see, Jesus taught us about sin. In John chapter 8, verse 7, he told us that everyone has sinned. This is the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and the Pharisees, the religious community of that day, brought her through her in front of people to humiliate her because she should be punished for her sin. And Jesus said to them, The one who has no sin, let him cast the first stone to stone her. And of course, we know how the story goes. Nobody cast a stone. So what do we learn? They all had sin. And then Jesus turned to the woman caught in the act of adultery, and he said to her, where are your accusers? But he didn't leave her off the hook. He said, go and sin no more. There wasn't anybody in the crowd without sin. And that is true of us today. We all sin. And he wants us to go and sin no more. Jesus also told us in chapter 8 of John that when we give in to sin, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon, Jesus said, we become a servant to sin. Instead of us controlling sin, sin controls us. He goes on to talk about in John chapter 9 that he is soon going to go away. And when he goes away, he's going to send somebody to us, and that somebody is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes to us, he is going to do something. Yes, he's going to work in us as believers, and he's going to bring truth to our remembrance. He's going to comfort us. He's going to be the counselor to us. He's going to help us pray and do many wonderful things. But there's something else the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to convict us of sin. And so one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to bring the awareness in that same talk, Uh, chapter he talks about how people are blind to sin. They just keep doing stuff and going on with their life and reaping negative consequences and feeling like they're a slave to stuff that's going on in their life that isn't healthy or good for them, for their families, for their relationships. And yet they don't seem to get it that the problem is their sin. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and my life, I become aware. The glasses come off and I realize this is wrong. This isn't good for me. I need to deal with it. And that comes from the heart not of a condemning, judgeful, mean man and who sits in his just judgment and has nothing better to do than to point out all the bad things we do. Oh, no, no, no. This is coming from the judge who is also a father who loves us and cares for us and desires the very best for us. And that is why he sent the Holy Spirit to us to convict us of sin. Sin separates If you look way back at the beginning of the Garden of Eden, the first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned was they separated themselves from God. Now, it was not God that separated himself from them. He showed up at the cool of the day. God loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and actually your sin is not a problem for him, but it is a problem for you, because when we sin, we withdraw. We don't want to come before a holy God. We don't want to deal with a holy God, because we're uneasy, we're unsettled, and we withdraw. And as we look into the New Testament, or into the same story of Adam and Eve, they also were very much affected from each other. When sin is at work in our life, we withdraw from each other. If you've got secret stuff going on in your marriage, you don't have the same intimate marriage because you withdraw. In families this happens. In communities this happens. We become separate from each other and the thing that our heart longs for, which is to be connected and intimate with other people, is affected by sin. The last thing I want to point out to you that Jesus taught is that sin has to be paid for. There is no such thing as free love or free sin. All sin has a consequence and sin has to be paid for. And who's going to pay for it? A lot of times we end up paying for it. We end up suffering in sin, but that's not God's desire. God's desire is not that we stay in sin and sins have uh, cause a separation in our relationships. It's not that sin separate us from him. In fact, it was the very fact that God in heaven knew the consequences of sin were so severe that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to leave heaven and come to earth and to live in this human flesh, in this human realm and experience everything that we experience and to be tempted in every way that we are tempted and yet overcome sin to show us his desire what our life could look like he wants us to live above sin he wants us to live sinless lives so we don't have to reap the consequences of sin you see all of us like cancer carry a sin gene you know when you often go to the doctor and you've got a problem they get your family history is there any other cancer in your family? And you look back and yeah, my aunt or my uncle or my mother died of cancer and they go, okay, so then there's this gene going on in your body that's a cancer gene. Well, the Bible teaches us that we all have a sin gene. People try really hard not to sin, but it seems like no matter how hard they try, there it is cropping up unexpectedly in their lives that's because from the day Adam and Eve sinned they passed the cancer or the sin gene down to their children their children's children and their children's children all the way down to us the Bible says for all have sinned because we carry the cancer gene and because that uh, that sin gene pardon me is in our lives it's very easily activated Just like sometimes there's a culture around us in the natural that has chemicals and toxic substances. And because of those chemicals and toxic substances, the cancer is activated in our bodies. In the same way, the culture in which we live wants to encourage sin. And in fact, as the time goes by and the generations have gone by, we are seeing more and more allowance for sin in society in fact if you say or anything about something being wrong you know that many times people jump all over you and say that you're being judgmental so our culture wants to encourage sin it wants to activate the sin gene well it sounds kinda hopeless doesn't it but it's not because we can stop sinning the first place we begin believe it or not is with your will From the time we raise children, we teach them to use their will. We teach them to activate their will. That's what discipline is all about. That's why we don't tolerate one sibling bonking the other sibling over the head. That's why we teach them to share, to talk to us respectfully, to obey. And when they don't, we discipline them. And why do we discipline them? Because we love them, but also we want them to learn that deep inside of them is something called the locus of control. And what that means is I have the ability, I have a will, I can use my will to manage my actions, manage my feelings, manage my mouth. I have a will. And because I have a will, I can strengthen that will, and I can resist what is evil. That is important. Sometimes as Christians, we succumb to sin because we don't activate our will. We don't submit to God and resist the devil. So we can have evil thoughts, evil desires, things bombarding us like Janine did so well, but we have the ability in our will to resist. Now, I wish it could, that's always true. It's not always true, because the second thing we realize, that even though we may resist, this law of sin, this sin gene sometimes seems to get the better of us. And so Jesus came. Jesus came. Yes, he lived a sinless life, but that's not all he did. He went to the cross wrongfully accused, misjudged, set up, betrayed. And he was crucified on the cross, one of the most horrific deaths that anyone could experience. And he suffered. Why? He suffered the penalty and the consequence of sin. You see, one of the major consequences of sin is guilt and then shame. When we fail, when we make mistakes, when we have our issues, we come under condemnation and guilt. We feel bad. And then we somehow think I need to punish myself further. I need to beat myself up. I need to shame myself. I need to criticize myself because I shouldn't do that and I can't do it anymore. But that is my own effort. And Jesus said, enough. This isn't working. Beating yourself up and driving yourself in the ground doesn't work. It has never worked. And yet we continue to do it. Jesus said, how about instead I pay for it? How about instead I give my life for you and I pay for your sin. And I absorb the consequences of guilt, shame, fear, and death. And that is what he did on the cross. But then he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead and he brought with him life and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he returned to the Father, as I mentioned already, he sent the Holy Spirit to you. And why did he send the Holy Spirit to you? Because the same Spirit that lived in Jesus and caused him and helped him to overcome sin in his life now lives inside of you when you come to him and you give your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That That same spirit comes to dwell in you and will help you to overcome sin now that's good news right yeah that's good news amen now I would like to just end it here and we'll all go home on a happy thought but there is a little more to this in the Word of God because despite what Jesus has done for us and despite what Jesus did for the believers of the New Testament As we continue to read into the epistles or the letters that Paul wrote to the new young churches, what you find him addressing again and again is sin. Why? When they are believers already, do they keep on sinning? Why is there sin present in them? And so Paul and many of the writers of the New Testament teaches some more about sin, some more information that we need to know that might help us live victoriously over sin. And one of the first things we are taught is that in order to be free of sin we must come to a place of repentance now repentance is not a common word it's not a it's not a word we understand but to repent means not only to be sorry but to make an about face it means to make a change in direction it means to resolve to not do it again And sometimes what happens is we feel bad. We have a habit, we have a problem. We have a big fight with our spouse and they tell us about our problem. And we even admit to our problem. But then we kind of say, yeah, sorry, sorry. You know, kids do that. Yeah, I'm sorry, hand in the cookie jar. Oh yeah, right, sorry. But the minute you turn your back their hands back in the cookie jar and sometimes that's the way we are we continue to go back to sin because there's been no repentance there's been no about face did you know that 27 times in the new testament we are called upon to repent before jesus was introduced on the earth john the baptist came And he was a great prophet and a great preacher. And you know what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, then Jesus arrives and he begins to preach and teach. And do you know what his message was? Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark chapter 6, he gathers all his disciples around him and he sends them out with a message. Guess what the message was? You said, I know they were to lay hands on the sick. Yes, they were. And the sick were healed. They were to cast out devils. Yes, they were. And people were set free and delivered. But that was not the message. That was just the miracle to bring them to the message. The message was repent. Okay, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came just like Jesus promised and there was great signs and wonders and miracles that happened. Peter got up and he delivered the first Pentecostal message and you know what his message was? He said, listen folks, listen, you need to repent, you need to turn around. You need to do what the Word of God has commanded you to do. You see, repentance is not a one-time event. Many of you, many years ago, brought your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I surrender my life to Jesus. And you did that. And in that time and in that moment, you acknowledged I am a sinner and Christ came into your life and you repented. But it doesn't end there. We need to walk above sin and overcome sin. And in order to do that, we need an ongoing repentance. So when the Holy Spirit comes and shines his light on us and gives us that unsettled feeling inside, and we know that there's things going on that are not right, that we come to him with a heart of repentance and say, God, not only am I'm sorry, but I'm turning around. I'm turning around. I'm making a change part of repentance or what activates repentance in our life is something the bible calls godly sorrow in 2 corinthians 7 11, it says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow brings death godly sorrow worldly sorrow what's the difference godly sorrow think of that word sorrow have you, ever, you, have you ever felt so bad because you wounded someone that you wept? Have you ever felt so bad that you knew your behavior caused pain to somebody that you wept? That's sorrow. That's godly sorrow. And that's the kind of sorrow God's looking for in us. It's not just a simple, oh yeah, I'm a sinner. Sorry, God. It's godly sorrow. It's knowing that we've grieved the very heart of our father God when we have done things that we know were wrong and yet we did them anyway. God wants our heart to have godly sorrow worldly sorrow says yeah I'm wrong sorry and tries to move on but with no real heartfelt response God is looking for godly sorrow you know Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the first letter and he confronted sin and if you read the first letter of Corinthians by our standards today you may have thought he was judgmental because he's calling it out he's calling it out by name and he's saying that behavior that's sin But the the Corinthian church read his letter and they felt so bad. And then he writes them again in a second letter and this is what he says. I'm not sorry that I sent a severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while, but now... I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so that you were not harmed by us in any way. For that kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. We don't want to take our freedom for granted, do we? You know, the Bible tells us that we come to him and and we confess our sin, he forgives it. It says he wipes the slate clean. You know, I have a whiteboard in my office that I write on quite frequently, but it's so easy to take the brush and just go like that and wipe it clean and have it all ready for the next time. And that's exactly what Jesus does when we come to him with our sin. He wipes it clean. It also says that he doesn't remember it anymore. And that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. He has done that because of his blood that was shed for us on the cross. But Galatians chapter 5 verse 23 says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Woohoo, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. We don't wanna become so free, so thankful, so enamored by the love and the blood of Jesus Christ that we become casual about it. We don't wanna become so enamored by all that Jesus has done for us that we say, oh well, I'll just sin a little, Jesus will forgive me tomorrow. That isn't showing the heart of the father's child who desires to walk and and, uh, reflect the character and image of God. The writer of Hebrews even goes farther. And I know these verses are sobering. I know that they're kind of serious stuff, aren't they? They're not the kind of stuff that we shout hallelujah to. But it says in Hebrews chapter 10, just think about how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God mercy to us far be it from me to be that person, far be it from me to become so casual about the shed blood of Jesus that I take God's mercy for granted. That's not what I want. I hope that's not what you want too. Amen? We want to walk in mercy and grace. Okay, so where do we go from here? How do we walk free and how do we walk in victory? How do we take seriously what Christ has done for us on the cross? What do we do? Do we walk with our head down, beating ourselves up all the time? No, not at all. That's not at all what God wants for us. No, one of the first things we do is when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we name it. Friends, we name it. We stop making excuses for it and we name it and we confess it. Do you you know that in the New Testament, there are three different times when lists of sins are given? And you know who he's writing to each time one of those lists are given? New Testament believers. And I'm not going to take a long time to go over all the lists. But I'm bringing out the list today because sometimes we need to be reminded of what sin is. It's just like as a parent is instructing their child. We say, no, you're not bonking Susie over the head with your truck. That's wrong. We say, that's wrong. No, you're not taking all the candies for yourself. You're sharing. That's wrong. We name it. We teach them what is right, and we teach them what is wrong. And you know, the Word of God names certain sins. And he says, examine yourself. Look at yourself. Do you do this stuff? This is sin. This is not pleasing to God. He talks about fornication in 1 Corinthians 6.18, adultery in 2 Timothy 2.14, uncleanness in Galatians 5.19. What are all these talking about? Sexual sins. We are living in a society that believes if you feel it, do it. If you want it, have it. But God is very clear that sex is maintained in a covenant relationship between a husband and wife. That pornography is sin, that vulgarity is sin, that dirty jokes in the back room is sin. God wants us clean, pure, walking in holiness and righteousness. Why? Because he is holy and you are made in his image. Hallelujah. And God knows, God knows that uncleanness, that sexual sin will wreck your life. And he loves you too much to watch you wreck your life and wreck your families and wreck your homes. God wants you clean because he wants you to live the best life possible. Amen. But this is sin. Sexual sin is sin. Right? Anger out of control. Now we get angry there's nothing wrong with anger anger has some good reasons to be angry when there's unfairness injustice when something bad is happening okay when we're rescuing a victim from an abuser we should be angry anger is a good thing God gets mad it's not that anger is bad but anger out of control is So you have a fight, you have an argument, you feel stressed out and your mouth goes off a mile a minute and you say things that are rude, unspeakable, vulgar, obscene, unkind, unholy and you destroy the people around you and the people in your life. Friends, that's sin and God does not want that to continue. He wants to see you set free and living a good life james chapter 4 verse 17 says that if you see a need and you know it's a need of somebody in crisis and they're having great difficulty and you turn away and don't respond to that need it's sin if you know if you know to do good and you don't do it it's sin then there are many many scriptures all throughout the bible that talk about witchcraft you say, witchcraft? Oh, no, not me. But there are many things nowadays that are under the, the, the acceptability in culture and even in Christian culture that are clearly condemned in Scripture and labeled sin. Things like tarot cards, oracle cards, horoscopes, palm readers, psychics, mediums, seances, Ouija boards, putting hexes and curses on people. Crystals. Why? Because they don't follow you or bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's a jealous God. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be the source of wisdom for you. He wants to direct you in the way that he would want you to go. And God's word for you is a good word. You don't need a medium to tell you your future because God has a good future for you. And when you turn to God and his word and you follow after him, you will have a good future because he will lead and direct you. But many Christians nowadays are dabbling in witchcraft, and that is sin, and it will bring negative consequences to you. You say, I don't see it. You don't have to see it. The word of God promises it will happen. Envying, jealousy, coveting what other people have, loving money more than loving God. You know what's another one? Sorry, I know I'm popular. Maybe it's good that I'm leaving tomorrow, eh? But you know what one of the other things that the Word of God says is drunkenness. Now, there's been a lot of conversations through the years. I grew up in the church. Should you drink wine or shouldn't you drink wine? That's not the issue. Okay, you can land on either one of those issues. The issue isn't whether you drink wine. The issue is whether you get drunk. And drunkenness, according to the Word of God, is sin. Now, do you want me to stop now? I'm sure you do, because I want to stop now. But why, why, why does the Word of God get so clear about sin? Why does the Word of God name things? And yes, bring judgment to those things. Because of love. Remember what I said? It was the apostle of love that talked the most about sin. If I love you, I will want to keep you from falling in a hole. If I love you, I would want to prevent you from walking in negative consequences. God loves you. He's extended his mercy, his grace, his kindness to you. He has done everything that he can in sending the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue you, to heal you. His mercy and his grace has been outpoured to you. So where do we begin? We name it. We stop hiding, squirming making excuses, being like the man with the cancer, saying, oh, it's not really anything much. Everybody does it. Everybody has it. It's no big deal. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to worry about it. And what happened? It took hold of him. Instead, I want to look at it. I want to name it. And then I want to confess it. First John nine says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But where does it begin? Confession. You don't need to go to a priest to confess, but you need to confess. And you need to confess before a loving God. And sometimes it's actually quite helpful to confess or to share your sin with someone else so that they may pray for you that you be healed. And it brings accountability but we confess and then we apply God's mercy and grace. No, we don't have to go do a bunch of work. No, we don't have to beat ourselves a hundred times. No, we don't have to bloody our knees by crawling on them. No, we don't have to go through all kinds of painful um, ordeals. We just need to come with godly sorrow and a heart of repentance and we apply God's mercy and grace. 1 John two one says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer, an intermediary, a defense attorney who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Friends, there's no reason to walk in defeat. There's no reason to give in to sin. You know, I believe that one of the reasons why the enemy, and we have an enemy, is so busy tempting people to sin one of the reasons why the enemy loves to um uh bring sin forward and make it look so glamorous and so appealing and 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 incite the pleasure sensors of our brain when we sin is so that after we sin he can condemn us he likes to condemn us he loves us to walk in guilt he loves us to walk in shame and so he traps us we fall and then we live in this guilt and shame Friends, today God wants to deliver you of it. God wants to set you free of the guilt and the shame and the condemnation you've been feeling. He wants you to walk away today with a clean slate you may be at home you may be sitting behind your television and all alone today you don't have to be here in the parking lot you can be right there god wants to free you of your sin he wants to free you of your sinful habits your addictions and the troublesome things that have dogged your life why because his power is great and his blood is great and it has the power to deliver you and set you free you just need to come confess it to the heavenly father and apply his grace and mercy he is your advocate well back to the cancer story good news good news one day my friend got a diagnosis that said you are now cancer free and friends good news christ wants to stand over your life and say sin free sin free You have been forgiven. You are rid of sin. And if you're here today and you're listening today, I want to encourage you right now to let's deal with sin. I'm going to encourage you just to kind of remove the distractions. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. But I want you for just a minute to remove all distractions. And I want you to imagine yourself right now standing before the throne room of God. And yes, sitting in the, judgment, in the, in the um, judge's seat is God himself because the Bible says he is the judge over all. And he is the best judge that you could ever stand in front of because he's also a father and he's compassionate and he's loving and he loves to show mercy. And you're standing before him and over here is the enemy and he's the accuser and he's there to remind the judge of everything you've ever done every failing you've ever had every mistake you've ever made every broken place and broken piece of your life and he has an indictment against you and he is here and he is standing before the judge to accuse and there you are sitting over here in the defendant's table Right? And beside you is your lawyer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is your defendant. And as the enemy comes and he lists your sins in front of the Father, in front of the judge of God over all, Jesus steps up and he says, I've covered that one. I paid for that one. My blood covered that one and was spilled for that one. And the judge turns to you, the defendant, and says, son, daughter, What do you say? And I stand and I confess I have sinned. I am guilty. I have done everything he said I have done. And Jesus said, forgiven, it's okay. I have forgiven you. And he hands me a document written in blood, which is the pardon for my sin. And the judge sitting in the bench says, forgiven, Pardon, price is paid, friends. That's you today. That's you today. I want you to just. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you're listening, and you want to deal with your sin problem today, then I want you to pray with me. But one other thing I want to say that if you if you continue to struggle, if there's something going on in your life, an addiction or a troubling habit, and even after praying today, you continue to struggle. I want to encourage you to come and get prayer. Today as we leave, please stay in your car, but you can walk over there and some of our prayer people are there and they want to join with you in praying with you to see that bondage break in your life. And if you're not here or this isn't a good time for you, I want you to know you can go to Living Hope, phone the office, and you can set up an appointment with our prayer ministry teams. And they will minister to you because sometimes sin takes root in our life when we're young. It takes root in our life for many different things. And we need to go to the root and pull it out by the root so the habit or the fruit doesn't continue on. So don't give up. Don't surrender. Keep battling against sin until it's done. Christ has paid for it. Now with an act of your will and your self-discipline, continue till you walk in victory. Will you do that? Will you do that? Why don't you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today and we thank you for your great love. Oh, I don't think we could ever really, really understand the cost. Really understand what it costs Jesus. Jesus. But God, we are grateful. We are grateful. But today we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and to search us. Just like David prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out in me anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, we open up our heart to you today. We open up our life to you today without excuses, without blame. And we say, God, let us see the sin that besets us. Let us see the sin that has troubled us, that we might make it right with you. God, we wanna be wide open to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, today, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything every corner every detail every plan every purpose i surrender to you and i confess my need to you father forgive me wash me cleanse me and make me clean in jesus name amen amen now if you amen amen thank you jesus Now, if you prayed that prayer today, we want to continue to support you. We want to continue to help you get closer and closer to Jesus and understand what the Word of God teaches. You know, I love what Janine did this morning. When we have one thought that's evil, we replace it with a good one. And God wants to lead you in the path of righteousness, replacing the old with the new. So please contact our office or come over here and meet us so we can support you going forward. But that being said, folks, how many of you feel that you're walking in victory today? Amen. 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 Well, go with God, and the Lord bless you, and have an awesome, summery, warm, and happy day.